Alrighty. Lord, bless your word this morning. May we grow in it. In your name, amen. If you have a Bible, Luke 24. If you don't have a Bible, Bob will hand one out to you. I think today, just with some of the people, what we'll do is we'll do a little teaching, then we'll spend some time praying together. Uh, no communion today, and then we'll sing and close. But instead of small group prayer, at the end we'll all pray together and have a, a time seeking the Lord. So Luke 24, 49. So I think this is going to be our last little in our series on the words of Jesus. And then we'll move on. We've been here for a year and we could go on for 10 years or 20 years. Um, But it's good to look at the rest of the Bible as well. So we'll conclude with this message. And in some parts I've talked about it. Some parts I haven't. You can't really talk about Jesus and what he says without talking about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit. And there's lots of words of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. And I don't think I can cover them all in uh, one little teaching. But just with seeking the Lord this week of what he would want to say to us in regards to the Holy Spirit and the promise from the Father. So Luke twenty four forty nine says this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So Jesus knew The disciples, the apostles, and others wouldn't bear much fruit without the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's like trying to do things in your own strength. It really doesn't work very well. Jesus said a lot, as I mentioned before, about the Holy Spirit. But when he was talking to his disciples in John 16 about his departure to the Father, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now obviously the advantage for us is Jesus, when he took on physical form as a man, could be in one place at one time. But we know the Holy Spirit can live in all of us. Amen? And so all the truth... That Jesus spoke, the Holy Spirit knows, and the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 13 of that same chapter in John 16, will guide us in all truth. We know in John 7, 37, it says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So as Jesus died and rose again, was glorified and ascended, we know that the Holy Spirit would come and live for those who do believe and there is something amazing 
about the power of God in us, God in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Teaching us, guiding us. Another word for the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Giving us direction all through the book of Acts, we see very clearly that it's stated that the Holy Spirit spoke to the disciples, to the apostles. The Holy Spirit, the person led them. Paul, through visions and dreams, through words, through prayer. I've learned everybody pretty much believes in the Holy Spirit. If you just talk their language, they're okay with it. (laughs) We get a little upset if we talk someone else's language with the Holy Spirit. But who of us would say that we wouldn't believe that God lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit? Or that we wouldn't want the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives? And I thought of this amazing verse, Jesus saying, Listen, wait, tarry, and you'll be endued with power. And I think in my life at times, and maybe your life, we feel powerless. That we can't conquer sin in our life. That we don't have boldness. That we're fearful. That even speaking out becomes very difficult. Doing the right thing. It seems in our own strength we don't have the power that we want to have. So interesting as it continues the words of Jesus, not in the gospel, but in the book of Acts in chapter 1 verse 8. He makes it very clear to his disciples as he's speaking to them before his ascension again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I guess the question I had for myself this week and maybe for you is are we living powerless or powerful Christian lives? Is there power in how we speak to others? Is there power in our holiness? Is there power in how we use our gifts for Him? It's funny, speaking of that, I had to do chapel at the Christian school this week. I get to do it once a month. And I find it probably the most difficult thing to do because you have to teach a three-year-old, an eighth grader, and teachers at the same time. And if you think it's easy... Give it a try. Because you have the four-year-old looking at you, so you can't get really too theological. And then you have the teachers looking at you as well, and you want to feed them. It is really hard. It would be like teaching nursery and everybody here. Now, obviously, it's possible, but I was thinking, Lord, what do you want to speak on this week? And God put it on my mind. It was almost a week of thinking of this thought. Just tell them that there's power. In me, there's power in the Holy Spirit. There's power in prayer. And one of the best ways I could share with them that they would know because they all knew of Nathaniel's injury was to speak of Nathaniel's injury. And most of you know how he hurt his teeth and the dentist thought there was no hope. And I've said before how the dentist said that night as Amy went in that there was something strange in the room. There was an energy, a power that she didn't have. And we came to find out this week And I probably mentioned it to you that there was many other cases, four other cases, where the dentist in the same injury could not get the teeth back into position. And even though she got them back, she thought there was no hope, but she realized there was an energy. And I said to those kids, you know, you guys were all praying for Nathaniel. 
And as you believed, there was power in what the dentist could do. And as we believe, there's power. As we trust God's word and believe that he lives in us, there's power. And I think unfortunately, often, again, we're running around in our own strength not realizing that the power lives within us and it's not about us. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. So really, it's not how hard you work to get the power. Really, it's about dying to yourself, being broken and dependent, and then the power of the Holy Spirit really, truly can work through you. I gave them this explanation. It's almost like building a house. You need walls and a roof, and you work. You have two-by-fours, right? You make the foundation, and you build it, and you run wires in it, and plumbing, and all those things that you need. And you build, and you work on that house, and it's beautiful, and you have all the wires... But as we found out yesterday, for some of you, when the power went out, a house doesn't work very well without power. And our power went out, the heat went out, the lights went out, and things left quickly. And I gave them that explanation to tell you this, that the Word of God is our foundation and our structure. Do you understand that? It says in Ephesians very clearly, chapter 2... That we're built upon the cornerstone which is Christ. And we built this on the word of the apostles and the prophets. Meaning the word of God. Your life is built on the truth of the foundation that Christ has done it all. And it's built and the walls are the truth of this book. But if you're not attached to the power source, it's really ineffective. And the power source is the Holy Spirit. Scripture makes it clear, very clear, that Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, is the power of the Christian life. So you can have the foundation in truth, all right, but without a belief and a desire and a walking in the Spirit, there's no power. It's a home without power. It's a train without fuel. You see, it's another explanation. The Word of God is our track. And it sets us in the direction to go. And we are the train, but without the fuel, the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot apply and walk in the foundation. The Word of God is excellent, but it's the empowered Word of God that truly moves in our lives. We need light. We need to see. We need to see truth. We need heat. We don't need to be messing with sin. And Jesus makes it clear. And he says, he's going to be a lot better for you when the Holy Spirit comes. You may not see it now because you see me and I'm your truth. You see me and I'm your power. But I only can be one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He can live in all of you. An amazing example. He gave himself in Luke chapter 4 as he was tempted and tried in the wilderness and he came out 
of that difficult time where he was totally dependent upon the Lord. It says in Luke chapter 4, he came out empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, figure that out. Jesus came out empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's like, what? That doesn't make sense. But I think it's there to be an example for us because in our brokenness and our dependence, as we trust in the Lord, there's something that happens when we are empowered to do his work. Can you see Jesus in his example is saying he wasn't enough. He needed the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill his mandate in Luke chapter 4. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to fall and to anoint and to fill him, I think I drastically need the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid, I rarely heard about the Holy Spirit. I heard about God in Jesus. And the foundation was secure. And the truth was real. But I ran out of gas because I couldn't do what was written I needed help. Well, that's all great, and I'm sure you all know that, and thank you, Dan. <laughs> Let's move on. Agape! Yes, we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it. It's better. Wait. Be empowered. But how exactly does that happen in our lives? Okay, Dan, I'm powerless like you at times. Tell me. I think the first thing is we've talked about, but again to repeat it, is you truly need to believe in the truth of what Jesus and God's Word says. You need to rest in that confidence that as you believe and trust that God lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Without belief, there is no action. Without belief, without truly trusting in the Holy Spirit, how can we expect God to work in our lives? And unfortunately, because of the abuses of some regards to the Holy Spirit, sometimes the church has tried to do it all itself. Mark 6.5 makes it very clear that Jesus said he could do no mighty works in Nazareth except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Do you truly believe that God lives in you? Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory? Do you truly believe that? Do you believe in the work of the Holy Spirit? That he can change your life and make you strong to defeat sin? That his gifts are available and ready for you? Are you a doubter? Doing it on your own. Trying to find intellectual truth with no experience. It's an empty pathway. And it brings no fruit. Jesus said in Mark 11, frustrated with his disciples, he said to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? There was a demon-possessed boy and they couldn't handle that boy. And they couldn't cast out that demon and finally Jesus came and did the work there. And he looked at them. Can you imagine? And said, oh, faithless generation. Simply, why didn't you believe? Why didn't you trust? 
Jesus simply calls us to abide in him, to believe in what he said, that he lives in us and that he desires to fill us and continually come upon us. James Smith, the author, says to abide is this, to rest and rely on Jesus, who is not outside us judging, but who is inside us, empowering us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you resting and relying on the power of that lives within you? I guess the simple question in belief is, do you believe? Have you experienced the power within you, the power of the Holy Spirit? Often some of you know the quote by A.W. Tozer, the great author, who made it clear this way, the activity of the church, 95% of it would continue today without the Holy Spirit. Meaning, we would just keep on going. We wouldn't even know the difference. But in the New Testament, if you took the Holy Spirit out, 95% of the activity would stop. I love that quote because I think it's true because I see it in my own life. I can do and be busy and work in my own strength. And it can look really good. But the reality is there's no fruit. There's no... Fruit. There's no fruit where I can truly say that God is the one who did this. As we look back at that story, I told the kids at CCA, there is no way Amy or I or anybody could have done that work. You're in a place where you say, I cannot do it. And I need you, God, by your power to do it today. Oftentimes we don't have boldness. We don't have what we need that's why we wait and trust and believe. Because when the Holy Spirit is working in your life and continually filling you, you can but not talk about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit's always pointing to Jesus. And so when you open your mouth, your thoughts are about Him. And there's a tremendous boldness that you cannot rev up in your own strength. Have you experienced that? You don't even know what you're going to say? Then the Holy Spirit takes over. And after, you're like, that's pretty good. <laughs> I couldn't have thought of that. Couldn't have done that. Well, here's the problem. We have to believe, and why do we not believe? Galatians 3.3, 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I'm the foolish one sometimes. The whole journey starts with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We know the work of the Holy Spirit in John 16 is one to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's his, that's his work and he leads us in all truth. But for some reason, we take the place of God. And we think we can do it in our intelligence, in our ability. And I think of this verse often and I think, man, how foolish you are, Dan. There's no way you can perfect yourself. There's no way you can do the miraculous. It's only the Holy Spirit working in us and through us where that can happen. Well, we have to believe and trust. We don't want to be foolish. But I would say there is some other things we can do. We can continually ask. 
Luke 11:13 says then if you then being evil know how to good give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him It's that dependence that asking and I'm not going to get into a theological debate of how that happens or when that happens but I want to tell you that God wants to bless you with more of himself period amen And the operating person of God in this earth is the Holy Spirit. So you are asking for more of God when you ask for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Does he live in you? Amen. But we continually need to make more room for more of him and he says all you have to do is have a dependence and a desire and to ask of me. Well, Pastor Dan, is something weird going to happen to me? Well, no. You're just going to become more like Jesus. Amen. Isn't that what we want? But why are we so afraid? We've lost it in semantics and theology and arguments. We've lost the simplicity of the truth that we need more of God, more of Jesus, and more of the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered, intoxicated, and controlled by God and not ourselves. That's why in Ephesians it makes it very clear that we're not to be drunk with wine, but be ye being filled by the Spirit, a continual desire for more of God, that we may sing praise, sing in melody to him, that we would be submitted to one another, that we would be giving thanks in all circumstances. That his gifts would be honest and flowing through us for the edification of the body of Christ. Oftentimes we're seeking an experience when in reality we should be seeking a person. I'm not here to tell you, well this happened, this experience. Well praise the Lord, but how did it start? I just wanted more of Jesus. And oftentimes he will give you an experience and for some of you he hasn't and I could care less because the important thing is would you desire more of him Are you desired to be continually filled this continued relationship with the Holy Spirit you see Acts 2 they were filled with the spirit Acts 4 they were filled with the spirit Acts 8 they were filled with the spirit they said God we need you we need you we need more of you because our tendency is to fall into ourselves and to be foolish and to try and do things and perfect things in our own flesh every great revival has the same story that people humbled themselves prayed asked and god came i don't know there a sovereign work of god but what you look back at is you see people who simply let go of themselves and just wanted god to work they weren't seeking an experience they were seeking him that he would change them and change those around them and each has its 
distinguished points, but every revival would say the same thing. Something supernatural happened that couldn't happen in the natural. It wasn't about the preacher. It wasn't about the music. It was about God coming because people let go of themselves and said, we need more of you. We need the power. We've done a pretty good job of creating the foundation. They even said to those small kids again at CCA, I've hammered my kids with the word of God. Sometimes, yeah, a hammer, I shouldn't have. Not that I hit them with the Bible, but I felt like, looking back, I hit them with the Bible. We did it all, man. I can remember teaching my kids Revelation when they were little. And doing little quizzes, sending them to the room and telling them about the churches. This was the older ones that kind of slacked off a bit. But I can remember Bible class. And then I taught them in the co-op. And guess what? I'm still teaching them Bible. And they look at me, Dad, you've taught us this ten times. And it's a wonderful thing to create that foundation. If you're not doing that for your families, please do it. But God is showing me without the power of the Holy Spirit in doing them, it's not going to take root. We need to ask We need to be a needy people. Lastly, I want to say you need to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5 makes it very clear. You need to walk in righteousness. You need to walk in obedience. Because there's two things that are mentioned in Scripture, and I'll make them clear. In Ephesians 4.30, it says you can grieve the Holy Spirit when you sin. 1 Thessalonians 5 says you can quench the Spirit if you don't desire his work. Because right after he says, do not quench the Holy Spirit, but desire prophecy or desire prophecy. So the reality is we can quench, meaning kind of put our hand on the flame, squish it, it's still there. But in our unbelief and our sin, we're quenching the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives or we're grieving the Spirit. And today we need to let go and say, no, I'm going to walk in your forgiveness and your love. I'm not going to have sin continually be a part of my life because I want to live in the fullness of your power, Jesus. And for those who are stuck in a certain sin and they can't get out, they're forgiven, but their lives demonstrate no power to the work of God. Jesus came to set us free, to empower us, but not to live in sin quenched. There's so much more, isn't there? May rivers of living water flow out of us today. Power from on high. May we believe the truth of God's word and not live in our own strength. May we ask and say, God, come fill this vessel again and again and again. I don't want to live an explainable life I want to live a life that brings glory to you through what you do through me. Do you believe that God wants to use you, a broken vessel, for his glory? Do you believe it? Are you putting away your work and simply in dependence 
asking for him. And if there's sin in your life, and each of you know, because the Holy Spirit's role is to convict you of sin, each of you know. Are you quenching the work of the Spirit? Are you anger? Are you bitter? Are you in sexual sin? Just fill in the equation. And every time, over the years, 13 years in ministry, Pastor Dan, why am I not more effective? What's going on in your life? You can be free and not quench the spirit and the flame can rev for him. If we will choose to desire to live in brokenness empowered by his spirit, I believe we will see the work of the book of Acts in our lives. Maybe not exactly that way, but we'll have boldness persecution. We'll speak the name of Jesus. We'll see God do things only he can do. It wasn't just for then, it's for now. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just live in them, he lives in us. Do you believe it? Or do you read the Bible as, oh, that happened then, and I'm just hanging on. Another way we put it is, we're living in forgiveness of the cross but not the empowering of the resurrection. We're stuck somewhere in between. See, what the Holy Spirit says very clearly in Romans, raised Christ from the dead. And Paul took this so seriously that he prayed for the Ephesian church. Oh, that you would know the power towards you that raised Christ from the dead. It's funny because in Ephesians, when he first got there, he asked them if they believed in Jesus. They said yes. He asked them about the Holy Spirit. And they said, I've got no idea what you're talking about. So he baptized them in the name of Christ. And he prayed that they would be filled with the Spirit. And revival happened in Ephesus. Oh, foolish Daniel. (laughs) Why did you stop trusting in my work? In my spirit. Why are you trying to perfect yourself with your own power? Power. Let's turn it on by belief, by desire, by asking, by getting rid of sin. One last point. I love it in Acts chapter 2 because there is one other thing all revivals have in common and will happen to us if we allow the Holy Spirit to continually grow in our lives and fill us and believe that he's in us and empowering us. One thing will happen is unity. You know that? That's one of the greatest signs of the work of the Holy Spirit is unification of the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, before the Holy Spirit fell, it says they were all together in one accord and his spirit fell. One of the greatest weapons the devil has is division, which creates anger and bitterness, and we're all on the same team. And here in town, we could have 12 churches, 15 churches, praise the Lord, they meet different needs. But if we're not unified as believers, there will be no power to see God truly work. I'm not talking about people who don't believe in the Lord. I'm talking about people who believe. 
But when we are unified in Him, Psalm 133, the oil goes down Aaron's beard. How good it is, right? That brethren together dwell in unity because the oil of the Holy Spirit, which is just the picture of oil is the Holy Spirit. It just oozes everything we do because it's full of humility and brokenness saying we need each other and we're going to work together. And then the Holy Spirit just, bam, empowers us. The greatest signs of the Holy Spirit not working is division, fighting, barking, marriage, families, churches, and the body of Christ in general. But we can be different. We can desire Him today. We can be reminded of the truth we can believe. And again, in your life, it's between you and God. And I think the Holy Spirit's work in each person's life is different. And how you might see Him or receive Him and you believe in that continued journey, which is a continued journey, and it's not about to say, well, it's going to happen this way, and ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> but larger than that. Not looking for an experience, looking for Christ. Looking for Him, the Holy Spirit. Let's just desire Him this morning. So I thought we could pray together. We're not going to split off into little groups. You can feel free. We have no elements today. The storm took them away. Or I just didn't have time to put them out. <laughs> but that's okay. I want you to live in courage and boldness. The disciples continue to ask that the Holy Spirit would strengthen, fill them, and that they would believe. So let's do that this morning. I'll start, and as the Lord leads you, you can pray. If you want to pray on your own, in your own head, that's fine. But please, some of you, let's just ask God to work. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. To hear your truth in your words. Wait. Believe. Ask. I don't know, Lord. I just want to wait on you this morning. Maybe you would empower us by our belief again to realize what truly is within us. You could change us. Maybe we have been foolish. We repent of that. I confess my own foolishness. As the leader of this body, Lord, in any way, if we've been trying to perfect ourselves in our own strength, here and now we confess our sin. Lord, if sin has dominated us, we just give it to you. And we trust and know we're forgiven, Lord. And may we walk in your spirit. May your fruit just flow from our lives. May love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May it flow from our eyes as we give you complete and utter control. Lord, we pray that you would give gifts as well. I was just thinking Paul's words to one of the churches that he wanted to see them. That he could pray that they would receive some gifts. And we pray maybe there's someone who doesn't even know what their gift in the Spirit is. Whether it's giving or hospitality, service, words of wisdom, whatever it is, today would you make it be known. We just release that upon us, God. We want to do your work in your power, in your strength. We don't want to do it in our power. We're asking for more of you. And now would you hear the prayer of your people.
Lord Jesus.